Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Hey, we've got a special episode of Replant Bootcamp, we wanted to air out as a bonus episode for you guys. We know everybody out there is trying to figure out, kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what to do with all this new information and responses coming out on coronavirus, COVID-19. Bob, you've invited some guests on with us today about what you want to see happen in this conversation today. So I think most of us, Jimbo, when Friday and Saturday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, we were trying to figure out, are we going to gather? Are we not going to gather? And then some of us gathered, some of us did services online. And then all of the questions that follow that, how are we going to move forward as, as this is an ever evolving, changing dynamic with more information than we can humanly process. Some that's, accurate some that's not and then also i think the the officials in our local context are trying to make uh determinations on gatherings and that's going to impact us and that has impacted us and will and so what do we do so we just got some replanters together to talk about how they're processing that information how they're going to look at the future stay connected to their congregations how they're thinking about finances, the challenges they're facing, and then how they handle it personally. So I agree with you, man. This is a this is a kind of key time. Man, what a what a, an opportunity for us to really have some boots on the ground information from from guys who are thinking about it. Yeah. And uh, and so we just wanted to to offer this as a bonus episode to you guys because we know that you're thinking about it too. And we may not have a lot of answers, but at least you get to hear what some of us are processing in terms of how we're gonna respond as pastors and as leaders in this really important time. Yeah, so just to clarify, this is not a, hey, we've got all your answers, we've figured out how to solve all your coronavirus problems, (laughs) just listen to this episode, and everything will be solved. Uh, This is going to be a real live conversation with some guys who pastor churches of 100 people or less, trying to figure out how to respond in this time in a wise and appropriate way. So that being said, guys, you, your opinions here are just as valuable as ours. Please let us know if, if you're hearing this, if you agree, disagree with some of these thoughts, we'd love to hear that. If you've got some other great ideas and some ways that you're, we want to know so that we can share with others, how are you responding? What are some ways that you're adjusting and being flexible in this time? to make sure we're still on mission, even if we are social distancing from each other. Absolutely. All right, so this is gonna be a great episode. I think even more than, more valuable than what you'll hear in this episode uh, could be uh, the interaction we have with each other on Facebook and social media, Twitter, as we listen to this. So more than ever, uh, I'm asking you guys as you listen, and let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you're doing. Let's kind of as a community group think this and work together as the larger body of Christ. Yeah, Chris Snyder, Catonsville Baptist Church in Southwest Baltimore. We average uh, 70 on Sundays. Uh, we gathered yesterday with a modified schedule. Uh, we did not do Sunday school. Um, we gave out instructions prior to the meeting as well as during the meeting as people were coming in. Uh, we had uh, around 40 gather with uh, children. And I would say also demographically, 50% of our congregation is over the age of 70. Yeah, my name is Evan Skelton. Um, I am a pastor at Bayless Baptist Church 
in St. Louis, um, Missouri. And our average attendance uh, these days is about 70, including kids soaking wet. Yesterday, we decided to suspend normal services or at least live service, I mean, sorry, in-person services. And we did Facebook Live, which was the first attempt that we've tried to do something like that. And it definitely showed. Um, We had about 25 people who uh, Skyped in. Um, We had a shortened service, just three songs. um, And uh, I preached a sermon with some pretty terrible video quality. But still, we had our people were pretty encouraged. Uh, My name is Stuart Dace. I'm the pastor of Exchange Church in Arnold, Missouri, uh, just south of St. Louis, not too far from where uh, Evan's at. Before the cold and flu season hit, uh, we were 45 to 50 that were a little less now, probably about 40 uh, averaging. So yesterday we canceled Sunday school uh, classes because our, our classes are pretty tight fit. Uh, had a normal service. We planned on broadcasting it live. Video, for whatever reason, did not work yesterday. So we had about 30, 30 or so gathered. Our As of yesterday, our plan was to continue with a, a worship service on Sunday night, or excuse me, Sunday mornings, and then uh, what we call our family night on Wednesday. But here in St. Louis, they've kind of wrapped have been ramping up the uh, the closures and stuff with the schools closing and stuff. So I'm not sure what we're going to do at this point for we may continue to to meet because we're relatively small or we may just say just go to all uh, all mine only. Bob Bickford uh, at the Groves Church in suburban St. Louis uh, area and uh, with adults and kids, we get into the 80s and 90s and we decided to not gather and do a Facebook Live service yesterday. And so uh, we were praying that the internet wouldn't break because every other church in our area was doing that as well. And uh, so <laughs> we're thankful for that. And, and we've done some things live. So we actually had decent success, except I, I don't like looking at myself on the video. So, um, but we actually had uh, almost the same number to watch us online, we estimated, as we normally have on a Sunday. So uh, the average age in our congregation moved from the high 70s down to the low 30s. And so we think that for our congregation, that's a good option. And we had a lot of live comments and some connections and some uh, back and forth. But we also have some senior members uh, who are legacy members who are in their 80s and 90s. Uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so out of abundance of caution, and particularly because I travel and in and out of airports a lot with the replant team, we have people that work in major high-rise buildings in the city and healthcare professionals. Our healthcare professionals really told us that it was probably wisest for us not to gather. And so given all that information, our elders made that decision. So we uh, did a Facebook Live. All right, Jimbo Stewart, Pastor of Redemption Church in Jacksonville, Florida. We average right at 100, give or take on a day, whether it's a good day or bad day, above or below that. Florida does not uh, bow down to chaos easily. We, we get hit with hurricanes and, you know, methamphetamine-filled gator wrestlers <laughs> enough that we stare into the face of the cone of uncertainty often. And... Uh, Florida people will know the cone of uncertainty joke. So we decided for this past Sunday, yesterday, this is being recorded on Monday, to go ahead and meet with a lot of deep cleaning, talking through precautions, Purell everywhere, greeters holding doors open, minimizing touching, not passing offering plates. We've been doing a live stream for about uh, two months now. And the other thing we did is add text giving. We, We had... Previously only had, we had had online giving. We decided to work with Tithely and set up where you can text to give just to see if that wouldn't help create some easier ways to do that as well. 
some news came out last night. I don't know about you guys, but really Twitter is what I found was one of the ways to kind of keep up with uh, announcements real quick. And CDC yesterday came out with a recommendation that there not be any gatherings over 50 for the next eight weeks. And I know every pastor that read that kind of immediately thought, what am I supposed to do with that? We're actually underneath that number, so we're good to we're, <laughs> we're good to go. Some yeah. replants were I, like, "Hey, this yeah. is when it's great to be a replant, right?" Yeah, I saw something on Facebook. It was like how to preach to a you know an empty church, and it's like you know been there, done that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So one one of the things, if you, uh, I loved there was an article by Nine Marks that talked about uh, responding to COVID nineteen, and they went back and did a historic kind of unpacking of the Spanish flu and what the leaders in Washington, D.C. did in, in terms of banning public assemblies. And so the churches, the church leaders got together and there's some great, great responses and documented history and quotes in that article. And that really kind of informed our approach among all, a number of other things. And so we find ourselves in, in a, a situation where to publicly gather is something that risky for our congregation, but it's also risky for our community. And so loving our community at this time for us means that we're going to be responsible in, in terms of not encouraging a public gathering. Mm. I, I, I think it remains to be seen what the CDC guidelines mean for churches. But I think mm. if we're, if we kind of, you know, wrap ourselves in this defiant religious freedom stance and become oppositional. I, I think that's concerning to me in terms of how that impacts our large, our longer and larger witness in the community. So uh, I think it's worth noting for us to understand, you know, what's the appropriate response to love our neighbor and love our community. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, and I wanted to say that, that as well, Bob. I've been thinking through that quite a bit as, again, um, some of the issues with our church as well as we've got about 70% of our church is in that high risk category. And so looking at some of the recommendations from CDC is not only the size of the gathering, but they even recommend any more than 10 in that high risk not gather. And so that helped make our decision a little easier um, as a church because we have, well, a lot more to be honest than 10 that are in that high risk category. But again, the uh, this uh, some, um, trusting our government officials who have access to more info than we do um, and loving our neighbor in such a tangible way, especially in a day and age where we're not, it's not back in the swine flu and we do have some other options um, in which to still shepherd and care for our people. It just takes a lot more creativity and a little bit, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it takes a little bit more work on our end to, to but having even um, internet and digital technologies that are at our, at our disposal, I think that does that we have more options now than many of our than many churches would have in previous generations. What uh, what are some of the concerns that you have now uh, with eight week ban on gatherings over fifty, Chris and Stuart? What are what are your thoughts on on that? I think for for us, one our our attendance was already down from January February just because of like just cold and and flu season. Uh, and that didn't necessarily just affect some of our senior members, which was, that was kind of a, across the board, even in my own household, we had a couple, my, my middle son had the flu a couple weeks ago, then my wife had something, I've had a, uh, I've had a cold as well. Uh, so for us, 2019 was a, uh, it was a really big transition year where we, um, we relaunched. Um, and then uh, shortly after, you know, shortly after relaunch, you know, we had some people who had been with us the last few years who just felt like, you know, I don't know, God had 
called them to get us to the relaunch process. And then after the relaunch, we're like, you know, we're going to move on to different things. So we had lost some momentum uh, up through kind of 2019. And we feel like now it's kind of stabilizing, starting to ramp back up again. We're getting some, seeing some good things. So there certainly is, I don't, I don't know how you would, you know, how, how do you quantify momentum? But there are certainly is a, uh, a concern that whatever that looks like, that uh, we may lose that momentum. Uh, and that even after kind of the eight weeks, you know, a ban or assuming that, you know, as the, you know, the CDC says flatten that curve, it, that it's, we're going to have to kind of work to, to rebuild some of that momentum. There's always that concern with giving, even if, even with online giving options, you're not there to gather together to, to collect that physical offering. It just seems to, to go down. Yeah, for us, uh, you know, we have a number of issues. Number one is, is wanting to submit to the government and love our neighbors. So it's kind of a both and. And thinking through that, uh, for us, we, um, in our replant process, have been very intentional to be light on technology and to be more, and it's aided us in the transition. So we print our bulletins. We we don't use overhead. You know, we don't use any sort of technology in that sense within our service. Try to be very minimal for a number of reasons. One is to be able to replicate ourselves easy uh, in, in an easier fashion, particularly church planning and, and replanting, sending teams out. Then also it just makes the the, flu, the service more fluid, particularly when you are dealing with, you know, 50% of our congregation being senior adults. And then also transitioning when we were transitioning um, musically, um, singing more maybe modern hymns. It didn't feel as abrasive and quick because they look exactly like, you know, a hymnal, a hymn that's printed in the hymnal. Um, you know, we laid it out. So so visually, you know, we've tried to be very less dependent on technology. And for us, we've just sort of wrestled with that from a theological perspective and ensuring we don't confuse people um, in the process. If we did go to some online um, and, and it's not off the table, uh, we just don't want to confuse people to think that that's church and get confused about what the ecclesia, the gathering is. And frankly, you know, if, some, if they were going to listen to something online, I'd probably recommend uh, not myself, but someone else to watch. So, you know, so we're thinking through that. Of course, giving is an important, you know, aspect of that. Our folks were very generous yesterday. I would say those who gathered are probably our financial main supporters. I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that's who gathered. Um, our offering was was very generous. And generally, like when we don't have service for a snow day, you know, being in, you know, our area occasionally, we'll have a couple weeks where we don't have service, you know, giving goes back up. But again, two weeks versus eight weeks, that's a different kind of, uh, um, you know, picture. So so for us, you know, we, we are thinking about that. I will say, though, if we do go to an online format, um, we will not do that live. I think there's some wisdom in doing pre-recorded. Um, that's kind of how, that's where we've been thinking through that. Chris, I think you brought up a great point of, uh, we want to make sure as we take advantage of the technology that we have now and ability to connect somewhat online, we need to realize that is not the gathered church. It may be what we're able to pull off at this time. Right. And so as, as we're going through this season, and let's just say for sake of this conversation, that it's eight weeks, that everybody ends up eight weeks without a public gathering just for sake of conversation, as some people are thinking through what they're going to do with that, what are some ways that you're thinking through staying connected with your congregation during the absence of public gathering? So I think the impulse of a lot of people right now is primarily to think through how are we going to pull off Sunday worship? And that's important. 
I mean, obviously, but obviously we, that is the central thing that the, the church does is to, is to worship cor- corporately and gather under the word of God. However, I think that there's, I mean, even just talking with many other pastors, this is really where the local pastor who shepherds his people really needs to shine. And I think we have such historic examples, particularly of other pastors during the swine flu and during the cholera academics, epidemics um, who are proactive in pursuing their people. And so I think our first question, at least um, uh, local pastors, and I, again, I'm, I have to admit this morning, I was, my head came off the pillow. I'm, I'm just thinking through what is it going to look like to pursue our actual people, um, especially so many of them being high, high risk, more likely to fall off radar, to have some more tangible needs surface. How do I pursue them and actively and responsibly show up in homes or over the phone, be able to take our, this is where it's really important for us. Again, so we have some pretty built out policies of uh, weekly shepherding, of taking, uh, of walking through lists of our people every week and following up with them. Thankfully, some of those systems allow us to then delegate out some of those names to our leaders. And for me to, again, focus on, you know, five to 10 names a day that I'm going to call and, and communicate my love for them, um, some, some key encouragements for them to find out what their needs are, but also to give them some tangible ways where they can serve others. Um, and to and to, and to make sure that again I have my ear to the ground about um, needs that I should be aware of, guys. I mean, even with our deacons, making sure that they're they know that these few weeks are are some of the most imp- important weeks for them to actually be the lead servants that we need them to be. Many people in our community, I mean, they've just got some very very practical difficulties right now. Their kids just had school canceled, and they're and some of them are both parents are working sometimes two jobs. Their kids sometimes don't have reliable ways to eat because they're relying on the schools to do these things. What about you, Chris? Yeah, we utilize uh, text messaging a lot just to, to communicate with most of our folks. And uh, so that, that's that been, you know, half of our communication. And we use a, a phone messaging service, you know, to send out messages, which isn't the, the greatest thing in the world. But I, I got some of the best feedback from that. We, we don't use it a lot, but um, I sent out just a, you know, a two or three minute just uh, encouraging message to our to our folks, which for our senior adults that you know don't have Facebook or email or you know that was really encouraging. And then just phone calls. Just just want to reiterate what these brothers have already said. You know, just picking up the phone. I mean, and using some of those, maybe even uh, writing. You know, I, it's something that I that I do regularly for our senior adults. They enjoy getting letters uh, in the mail, and so writing a, a letter, just uh, praying for you, love you, if we can serve you in any way. But then, uh, so those are just ways that you can use your words to encourage. I think also just ensuring that we're using scripture to encourage with. You know, using the word, pointing people to there. You know, just being intentional with our communication, particularly for younger guys, it could be uh, a temptation to under communicate, uh, perhaps say we're good, everything's fine, but but really over communicate to our folks, um, keep keep the dialogue going, however you've been communicating to your members, right, whether it be through email, through text, through phone conversations, just keep doing that and do it. Um, even maybe perhaps more frequently. I think also uh, just thinking through the the physical needs of the church. So one of the things we wanted to re- really reiterate is to our folks when we communicated with them up up to Sunday was, hey, if you're impacted by this in any way, uh, please communicate that to the elders. Um, just like with anything, if you don't tell us, we we don't know. We can't read your mind. And so if you've, you know, perhaps been affected with your job, uh, child care, basic necessities, you know, you weren't you able to get up to Costco and get a, you know, 100 rolls of toilet paper like everybody else did, you know, let us know. We have resources at the church. We can, you know, drop them off, get them to you. Great. All right, Bob, how about you guys? 
Yeah, so all the things that the guys have mentioned before, but I, I think strategically leveraging your streams of communication to pastor people. Uh, I was watching a thread yesterday that uh, uh, guys, well, Saturday night, guys were saying, that, you know, are you preaching about the same thing? Are you saying the same thing? And a lot of the guys were saying that they were staying in their passage in their lane, which, you know, that's, that's awesome. What I'm finding with our people, and it may just be our people in their season of life, as, as, you know, young 30s with kids whose lives are disrupted, who haven't gone through a lot of hardship, they're asking themselves a lot. They're asking a lot of questions and feeling a lot of emotions. And so part of that is our communication has to take that into account where they are and shepherding them back to the truth of scripture and the faithfulness of God and the reality that in seasons like this, we get to experience God in more powerful ways than we've we've ever experienced Him before. We get to experience His His provision, His faithfulness to us, and that we need not fear. And so, in all of those communication streams, be it written, be it text, be it phone, be it an internet e newsletter, uh, a Facebook page, I think pastoring your people with the, the content matters. Take the opportunity to shepherd them in a particular direction that shepherds them back towards uh, their security in God that's available to us through Jesus Christ. So all of those methods, all of those those modes of communication, but I, I just think I'm, I'm con- continually asking myself, all right, what is it that I can do to encourage my people today to be, to be uh, confident in Christ, secure in God, but also how can I encourage them to be missional in the sense that they engage those around them who don't feel those things and don't, don't have that relationship with God? Because this is really a great opportunity for us to share how our faith actually makes a difference in terms of our everyday life and in whatever situations we face. I think there are some really great opportunity in this season to to do some of the things that really matter. I, love, I appreciate, uh, Evan, you talking about how it's it's not just a Sunday gathering. We do need to think about the Sunday gathering. That, that's a key part of what it means to be a church. But I don't know about you guys, but I've always preached, at least to our church, that you know a great bit of their spiritual maturity is far more dependent on what happens between when they leave on Sunday and they come back the next Sunday than it does what happens on Sunday morning when we gather. And so I've been trying to think through some ways that we can utilize some things. Some things that we're I'm doing were things that were just already happening. We decided to to jump full on into the Hoosier One series, which, you know, this is a great time to encourage everybody to invite their friends to church and uh, go, you know, get into the community sharing the gospel. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> but part of, part of the Hoosier One that we have, that I've done is there's the 30-day devotional guide. And so what I've been doing is on our church's Facebook page at 7 a.m. every morning, I've been doing a live video about 10 minutes where I will go over the Who's Your One devotional for the day, kind of share an encouraging thought. Uh, so I'm already, what today's 16, 16 days, we started March 1st, I'm already 16 days into doing that. So we already have a rhythm of me connecting with our people through technology on a daily basis. I like the idea of setting up systems to make sure everybody gets a phone call at least every other week. Uh, kind of checking in on them. One of the things we've talked through is even creating somewhat of a buddy system and making sure that, you know, there are certain people that are checking on certain people on a regular basis. And one of the ideas I have rolling around in my head, and I'd love to hear y'all's take on this, is I've thought uh, we're, we don't do any sort of home groups, really. We have one home group. All, we do all Sunday school. It's sermon-based, and so it's the same text that 
was preached the week before. One of the things I've thought about doing is in this season, really encourage some home groups. And if, if this is assuming that we don't gather as a whole church on, on a Sunday morning for eight weeks, I thought, what if during that eight weeks, we encourage home groups of no more than eight people keeping it kind of so that we don't get to that 10 person mark. The CDC doesn't want you to go over and just say, Hey, on Sunday morning, gather as groups of eight or less, watch the live stream together. Here's the small group guide. So watch the live stream and then just go ahead and have your small group discussion once the sermon's over. Uh, And that way you can go ahead and interact with that and you can have lunch together, pray over each other, but then also within that group say, okay, these are your people that you're checking on this week. And so you, you are now responsible for everyone in this group. And so throughout the week, you need to be checking on making sure all those people are okay. And so that's one of the things we've been thinking about, at least I've been thinking about in my head, trying to think through what that would look like. Honestly, I think about it. There's a part of me that would love to see our church go to nothing but home groups for eight weeks and see what that does for the unity of our body and the cohesiveness and uh, you know, as we come back together, maybe we might even come back together stronger at the end of that. I love it, man. I really, that's really helpful for me. The, the home groups idea. I just, I'd love to get some more details from you separately, but I think that's again, all the details the- I've got. That's as far as I've thought through. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I love the idea. Here's, here's what I'm, here's what I'm wrestling with personally uh, ahead of the time that we, we clicked record. I was sharing with the guys that I have a, a daughter that's now home from college in her circle of friends that have returned home. There are kids from Chicago, from the West Coast, from the South, from the East, from the Midwest. And so one of the realities is some of the most likely spreaders of coronavirus who will not experience the ramifications of it are collegiate kids. Mm. And so I've thought about that because I thought about, man, I need to visit Miss Dottie and, and she's 96, right? But my daughter has hung out with college kids from all across North America. So is it wise for me to do that? And and so some of us are kind of in situations where maybe our, our field of exposure is small, but I would hate to be the one to bring a virus into a home group. And so I think there's some wisdom. I think one, if we, if, if you've got, like I've got some folks that are north of our metro area and they all live in the same area. One of them's pregnant. And so, you know, she's a little bit at risk, but they're all pretty young. One of them's a medical doctor. And so she's in the hospital all the time. So for me, encouraging them to get together feels a little bit different. It has some ramifications that maybe some some congregations don't. So I, I'm saying that I love the idea. I just wrestle with, is it wise for us to, for me as the lead pastor to, to encourage that because of the unique dynamics that we have. I just saw an article, and not to fear monger or anything, but saw an article where a, a church in South Korea somehow got the idea that saltwater spray was a good idea and that it was going to eliminate the, the coronavirus. And so they just lined everybody up and started spraying in their mouth. The, the problem is, there's no medical research behind that, and there's no, and they didn't sanitize the, the sprayer, and so they effectively increased the exposure, right? And so I'm just saying there's a tension in me between gathering to encourage for a community, but also being wise about it in terms of how our own life patterns and our own relationships may have created exposure that we're just not aware of because of the incubation period being so long. In light of that, but then also thinking through kind of the spirit of, of, I think, what you're after is, and I, and I saw, um, and this was really from a conversation with, uh, with Mark Dever on the sort of longing that is being created by the lack of gathering, and that that is a normative 
normal feeling that every Christian has from Sunday to Sunday or should have. It's meant to mimic our longing for heaven and the heavenly gathering. Uh, so Sunday to Sunday, while you know seven days isn't very long, there's this sort of anticipation of gathering with the saints on the Lord's Day each week that should be there. And now it's being heightened by the sort of length. And, and, and I think that is an excellent opportunity to teach our people and lean into that feeling of anticipation of gathering with God's people again. When will we gather? In a similar way that we long to be with the Lord in heaven, with the saints gathered around his throne, that same feeling that we face that, man, I can't wait to get to church again. Man, I, I think just pastorally, man, I want to speak into that. I want to like love them. Like, yes, that's what you, so by God, maybe this is just God's grace of wakening our souls to the desire to gather with people in particular in a culture that prizes individuality and separation and isolation. You know, we often in our discipling with one-on-one -on -one discipling that we encourage is we face people regularly, new members who say, you know, no, I don't, you know, I'm good. Um, you can't tell me how to live my life. You know, I'm going to live my, you know, that, that kind of stuff where this sort of, sort of pull against the fabric of our DNA that God's created us to live in community. And now we can't, we have to live in isolation, right? This is all against God's, you know, good creation. And there's just so much there that we can teach and think through and pray through. And, and so, uh, you know, using prudence and wisdom, like Bob is mentioning about not spreading it, but then also speaking and teaching about that, you know, those feelings that, that kind of come up, man, I want to get together with my brothers and sisters. I want to gather with the church. I want to, you know, get in small groups and I, I miss not doing those things, but yeah. So sort of that desire that we're, that's going to naturally come up. What are some of your concerns for the viability of your church in this season? financially, just long-term viability? How are you thinking through all of those Im implications? I think uh, I, you know, I had shared earlier, I, I certainly uh, momentum, however you want to describe that or, or quantify it is certainly a, certainly a, a concern rather than see this as a, as an obstacle towards replanting or, do, or kind of what doing what we what we think we want our church to become it seems an opportunity to focus on things that perhaps don't don't get you know maybe are are neglected and so you know yes there's a concern about uh momentum at the same time i think there's there's an opportunity here that perhaps um that we're going to be you know looking you know looking to take I'm optimistic. And of course, God's sovereign in all things. So just didn't catch God by surprise. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's just a mess. It's what you have to preach to yourself repeatedly as a, as a replanter, right? Is that uh, mm -hmm. you're, you know, you, know you, you see the end, you see where you want to go. You don't see, you don't know how you're going to get there, but you're just trusting that God's going to lead you every, every, uh, every step of the way. And as I look back now, you know, six years in my church, so I've been in a couple different places where I was like, well, I, I know what we need to do. I just don't know how we're going to get there. And God has come through for us each of those times. So yeah, momentum is a concern, but also I think there's an opportunity here. People are fearful. Uh, people are scared. Um, and so we have, we have an opportunity to speak the gospel into a very real uh, situation, a crisis situation. Jim, but I think one of the things in visiting with replanters and in churches that are in the process of considering replanting across North America is some of them may not be in positions like our churches are in terms of having online giving streams and most of their, their a percentage of their giving may be 
um, related to, you know, just actual gathering for worship and giving in service. And so I think as, as replanters are listening out there and revitalizers are listening out there, I think there's, you should probably expect the percentage of, of in-person giving to not be there for your congregation. And so, so project the loss of in-person giving and then think about how that impacts your budget, right? And, and look at that. And then also think about the folks who give to uh, regularly, are some of them, uh, is their employment of such a nature that it's built on the service economy and the in-person economy that's in our culture. And so if, if they're, lives are impacted for two months, so to speak, of not getting income, you can expect to see that percentage giving drop off. And so there are some ramifications, I think, that, that are important to think. And so the other thing that we're thinking through, uh, at least initially, is we have people on our payroll that, that their, their work for our church is, is uh, done based upon our corporate gatherings. So a custodian and some other folks, an admin and some other folks. And so, you know, one of the things I think we're going to have to think through is I think it's important for us to, to continue to pay them for the work that they've done and do for us, even though it may not be done. Otherwise they, they, they're impacted by this, by our non-gathering financially. So there's a, there's a bunch of different ramifications, I think. I think our church is going to be okay because we have some reserves, but I know that some, some replanters out there, uh, they run on thin margins and, and they have thin reserves. So I think it's important to look at them, especially if they have in any kind of indebtedness. The great thing about most replants is most of the churches are debt-free and they don't have mortgages, but that's not true for every single one of them. And so a lot of their, a lot of their resources go to a mortgage that that's going to continue to have to be paid in utilities, et cetera, and payroll and those sorts of things. So I think as, as we, as we're in the early days of considering how we might be impacted about this financially, I think it's important to get those, those leaders together who have the understanding of finances and projections and future. And you can look at that and say, what is our plan? The value for us is, is we have resources that will allow us to take a hit, absorb a hit. I don't think any of us are going to go to complete zero in terms of our income stream, but I think there's going to be a significant percentage that will drop off and it's going to vary based on on where you're at in terms of how many people give online, how many people give in person, and then also your budget expenditures per month. And so I think it's probably wise to be getting some leaders around the table uh, already even now to say, okay, let's let's look at this budget, let's do some projections, and let's steward God's resources uh, well during the season and, and wisely during the season. It's not time to panic, but it's also a time to, for us to think about that. And then I think, too, one of the things you mentioned, Jimbo, is you, you guys have a text-to-pay option. I think it'd be great if, if in our show notes we could just kind of bullet point how do you get that set up quickly and, and how would you do that going from, like, I don't have anything online to now I've got to move some things online. And already, even even in some resources, I think we're seeing some people – write articles about that but there's a process when we did online giving there's a there's a process you have to go through and there's probably some shortcuts and some ways that you could expedite that process to do it wisely and legally etc but i think it's something we're thinking through especially in the in you know this first this first day of 
the proposed eight-week pause in, in worship gathering. One other uh, is thinking through replant. Another impact, it is impacting us as well, is a lot of replants, you open their, rent their buildings uh, to help subsidize. So they have other churches meeting and or, or other organizations using their building. Um, and so there may be also the sort of, uh, on top of all of this, the loss of income from other organizations. Uh, so we have a seminary that uses our building. They can't meet. Uh, we have two other churches that are using our building. They're not meeting. So there's a sort of economic impact as well, uh, perhaps uh, for a lot of replants for shared building uh, space as well. And just thinking through that uh, stewardship uh, process and, and how, how to have that conversation with those churches. I've you know, not thought through that myself, but but we'll plan to sit down with them and think through that. What's that look like? Do they still have to, you know, pay their rent, if you will, or or are we going to ask them as well? Just you, you know, it's okay. We understand you you've been impacted by this as well. Yeah, I think I think there's a bigger picture here as well, not just in regards to maybe a, a crisis like what we're with the COVID uh, nineteen, but just as a as a um, characteristic of a, of a replanter. I think it's wise to for someone going in replanting just to be sort of to be financially nimble in the sense that can you pick up a, a gig or, a, or would they say a side hustle or something like that that would potentially um, help relieve some of that financial strain going in the, in, into the future. You know, if you were to face something like this or just kind of the uncertainties of, of replanting. I know, for example, uh, I'm probably so normally I would teach during the day and I'll I'm looking at the the possibility of being at home for several weeks and having to administer some sort of online learning to my my students. But I'm also looking into just some ways in which I can, you know, pick up some extra dollars through some online teaching of, of some sort. And so the big picture, though, is, is you know, it's just not is you know, our family as well as our family provisions, but also uh, in in the case that um, the church is financially strained. I don't see that. I don't see like our church is not in a, an immediate financial danger or anything like that. We certainly have some uh, reserves, but I think it's just wise for if you're going to be a, a replanter that you're just, you're, you personally as your, as your family are financially nimble and, and fluid to be able to do what God has, has called you to do without those sort of undue financial burdens. What are some ways you've considered serving the community uh, during this moment? Every Tuesday morning, a local middle school, I lead a voluntary Bible study uh, for teachers and faculty at a middle school here. And so they've contacted me and reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to offer a video Bible study that we can invite the teachers to come into and the principal is willing to send out uh, that link to all the teachers. So tomorrow morning, I'll be, you know, I don't know if any of them will show up, but I mean, every teacher will be invited to be in a video Bible study prayer time. Uh, But as we think through that and other ways to serve our community, what are some ways that you're getting to serve the community as uh, as we find ourselves in this unique time? We have a there's a we have a local organization that's called Brendan's Backpack. I don't know if I don't know Bob or Evan if you I don't know I think it's just down where we're kind of at in Jefferson County. Essentially, what it is is it's an organization that puts together uh, food for kids to take home on on the weekends, designed for uh, you know because during 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 the week if a kid is can get oftentimes free breakfast and, and, and free lunch, but they go home on the weekends and sometimes they don't have food available. So what Bren's Backpack does is provide food for kids on, on the weekends to be able to, and it's food that they can easily get access to and prepare themselves. So it's like, you know, peanut butter, bread, and, and those sorts of things. So with our school district about to be offered 
you know, three, I don't know, almost four weeks or so. Um, I know like the Brennan's backpack organization is going to be collecting extra food and sending extra food on, on Wednesday. So we're kind of waiting to see off and see where those donation or drop off points are going to be. And so I'll be making a call out to the church to collect some food that we can pass on. One of the things that is potentially going to happen here in our school district is uh, that, that they're going to do online learning. And so there are a number of kids in our in our district, not many, but a number that don't have internet access. And the school's talking about potentially, this is all again, early discussion, giving kids devices and some of the kids already have devices to do some, some learning. So because of the public ban on space, uh, one of the things we've been blessed with is we've got a lot of Sunday school rooms and small Sunday school rooms in different kind of locations throughout the building. And then over the last year or so, we've been able to, to spread Wi-Fi throughout our building. So I just emailed the superintendent of our school district and said, hey, if you guys need a public place to for families to schedule internet accessibility in time, we've got a lot of different rooms. We could set up times where just one family could go in one particular room. Uh, we could give the supplies, we could have the supplies there to, to wipe down tables and to disinfect doorknobs and that sort of thing. And so this is kind of just an initial response to say one of the one of the ways we might be able to to utilize our facilities while we're not gathering large crowds, we could gather small individual groups of families that we could just schedule time that they could come in and use the building. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we'll see. Uh, that's something, you know, that that's easy for us to do. It doesn't cost us anything, really. Um, and and we'll just have to make some preparations in terms of administrating schedule and then taking precautions to clean the building. Last question. How are you leading your family? Somebody mentioned earlier about, you know, that we want to be good citizens. And so I think for, I think for our family, it's just modeling to, you know, modeling to our church what the, what that looks like. So, you know, the local, the local governments to say, Hey, you know what, you should, you should stay inside and, and, social distance and, and limit contact uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, praying for praying that God would use this opportunity in our nation uh, to, uh, to further the gospel, whether it's, I think, you know, it was mentioned earlier, just, you know, m- maybe this time of, um, uh, of distancing and, and sort of pause in the gathering creates a, a yearning for the gathered church. That's what I'm hoping for. And I'm hoping that, that God will use this to create a sense of yearning. So, once it's all, you know, once this all passes that, you know, the, the fellowship and the gathering would be that much more sweeter. Yeah, it's well said. I, I am, um, you know, we're kind of in a weird season. Our family is getting ready to move in a week and a half and we're getting ready for baby number four um, in a month and all this stuff hit. And obviously this uh, weighs pretty heavily on particularly my wife. Um, and so in this time and with our kids, I think I've had to remind myself too. again, my, our, and we, we, we have to remind ourselves this uh, as often as as often as we can, but particularly right now, that our first obligation is to shepherd and care for our own homes, um, to be able to mod- to pray beside and with, as well as we're praying for people. It's been really important for especially I think my uh, six year old daughter to uh, pull her aside and to fill in responsibly resp- responsibly about why things are changing. What are some of the dynamics right here? But again, beginning even now to model for her what does it look like to rest in a uh, a gracious king and to respond when many are in fear um, with love and uh, being able to use these moments 
as moments that hopefully exemplify and press roots of faith deep. Um, we pray that God favors, you know, as he, we pray every night that he saves my kids, but use these moments as moments, hopefully, where it really does model, model our, uh, what, what, our, what it looks like to uh, live, in, live in faith and not fear. And uh, I think with my wife and I, um, I think um, I've just, I'm, I've been praising God that we're just in a different, even though, I mean, we have to work part-time jobs and there's plenty of unpredictability in the season. I do have more flexibility in how I can use my time. We homeschool school our kids, so we also have, this doesn't really affect our kids as much as they would if they were in public school. But taking uh, those opportunities of that added flexibility to be, to be more present with my family, one thing I, I, I just brings back to that conversation about um, how are we responding to the impacts upon momentum and financial burdens this is going to mean for our church to put my money where my mouth is with my family and to pray eagerly and often um, with them, to set more time aside in prayer with them than we have in seasons past, to trust that God uh, is the one who built his church. He is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, and he asks his people to pray so that he would receive glory when he shows up in magnificent display. And so praying with that kind of expectation and eagerness is, yeah, I guess one of the priorities right now. All right. Thanks, guys. Just to summarize some of the high points of what we have discussed here, church is more than Sunday worship. We all know that. We all knew that coming in. Our church members have probably all heard that from us, but this is really an interesting opportunity that we get to believe that with with our actions maybe more than we have before. Depend on that, that church is more than a Sunday morning gathering. Uh, to the pastors out there, an emphasis on shepherding your people. Figure out what that looks like for you. Uh, that may mean a lot more phone calls than you planned on having on a weekly basis. Figuring out what that means wisely, especially with senior adults, and how to continue to shepherd them, take care of their needs, thinking through the needs of your community and how your church can wisely use its resources and the, the benefits of technology as we think through continuing, because the great thing is that the church is not just a gathering on Sunday morning. And so, all right, guys, appreciate you being on this call. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.